Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. You built a time machine? Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> A 14-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhardt, 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we are your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. Got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get living. Get busy living. Um, I'm on meds, folks. Get busy living, folks, because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world. One chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, breast cancer and the environment. Survivor Spotlight, Beth Archie, young adult survivor, breast cancer, acclaimed journalist and blogger. For seventh generation, they make all those good products that you know about. Deborah L. Davis, Ph.D., founder of the Environmental Health Trust, University of Pittsburgh Cancer Institute, author, The Secret History of the War on Cancer, you know it, and author of the new book, Disconnect, and Harvey Carb, M.D., Assistant Professor of Pediatrics, UCLA School of Medicine, author of The Path of Wellness and Healing DVD, and author of Happiest Baby on the Block. As a reminder, this broadcast is a production of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation. Online at i2y.com, we help young adults fight cancer every day and are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs because it's not okay that 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every year. So hello, my friends, and welcome back. Yet another fun-filled and exciting romp through the hay on tonight's stupid cancer show where remission is not a cure and survivorship is all that matters. And a stupid cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network and iTunes as we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous downtown studio in Manhattan. And uh, please welcome our chief cancer anarchist and uh, VP of Grantors Programming, Jack Lafard. Hello, Jack. Hi, Matt. Hi, Lisa. How are you? How are you? Jack will be monitoring our... uh, our live interactive concurrent chat room, which many people don't realize, realize we have that. Uh, there's a live concurrent chat room that goes along with every show that we do. If you have any questions for our guests, it's the perfect, perfect place to, uh, to ask them, and we'll try to get back to you if we, uh, if we have the time. And we miss her. We know her. We love her. Young adult survivor Amanda Freeman. She's our fabulous broadcast production assistant. Can't be with us. We're sending out uh, good vibes to Amanda, as a lot of you we I love know Amanda. are. She's great, and uh, we hope to have her back with us soon. Love you, Amanda. Love you, Amanda. Love you, Amanda. We have some special guests tonight, as always. 
uh, joining us routinely. Apparently, we can't we can't shed the baggage. Um, our VP of Outreach, Aaron Eloise, and our VP of Operations, Kenny Kane, are in the house. The gingers. The gingers. The rusty. As always. And, <laughs> and we're joined tonight by Sarah Gaines, a friend of Jack Buffard's. Who is? Are you on the Buffard payroll to be his friend or not? I wish. Okay. You need to get on that because I'm on that. How do I? Is there a list I can join somewhere? Uh, Mr. Buffard has an application on his website. Yes. Go to my, my dad, not me. Yeah. What, what's that address? Uh, MySonNeedsFriends.com. Yes. And we right. will pay you to be his friend.com. Sarah weighs awesome. like the queen. Did you notice that? There was a little, she did. There was she a does. little of these well, She belongs here. Yeah. Sarah means princess, and I have made <laughs> it my <laughs> life mission. She's working every angle of that. That's, That's fantastic. I admire that. And That's she great. does that when she's listening to Beyonce in the car. Yes. Mm. What? <laughs> no we'll comment. Just, yeah. All right. That's an inside joke there. Okay. But she's now, also on our half marathon team. She is on Team Stupid Cancer. Yeah. yeah runner yeah. number 22? No, she signed, signed up a while. I signed up a long time ago. Runner number one. I'm not sure I'm runner number one. Runner number four? Just yes me to death. Are, yes. Okay. Yes, Matt. Four yes. more spots do we need? Four more. Four runners? more. Yep. Team Stupid Cancer. It's three more spots. There are three, three spots, spots left. Oh. This is the running team for the New York City Half Marathon, March 2011. We got 25 slots. We have 22 filled. Yeah. I'm blown away. If you want to race, for the nation's first marathon team specifically for young adults affected by cancer and the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, go to TeamStupidCancer.com. Jack will be re-mentioning this later in the show, but I'm blown away and I'm excited, so thank Should you I to everyone. It? I'm still contemplating it. We have four I'm, of just our... af- I'm just afraid my knees are going to give out you can and, every- walk. and Jack- everything else. Jack sort of skips the whole time. <laughs> I skip. I go, la, 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 la. You do that every day. I yes. do. Yeah. Only this time it's for money. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because normally I just do it for free with, and when he's got with that the thoughts cu- in my head. And when he's got that cup on the street. Yes, yeah. <laughs> with the grinder monkey. <laughs> I am the monkey. <laughs> he is the grinder monkey, that's right. I got the cup. <laughs> oh. So what's going on? Uh, well, you and I were just in Missouri this weekend. We were in Missouri in the land of Branson, which is the Disney World of the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, it's a Disney World of the, geri- of the did geriatric you go, Did you go see that Japanese guy who plays the violin? You know him? You know, he's, got, he's got some big theater No, there. but I think the highlight of my trip was seeing the Yakov Smirnov Theater. Oh. Yes. What a country. <laughs> and for it's the younger generation, Yakov Smirnov has nothing to do with the drinks that you have on Fridays and no. Saturdays. No, what no. a country. No, in Soviet Russia, internet surf you. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember like when I was like 11 years old in like the mid-80s and seeing Yakov Smirnov on TV. And then I didn't hear about him until we drove past his theater on Friday. Right. Everybody that you don't hear about anymore is in Branson. Yes. Right. In fact, uh, we were hanging out with some of the lovely women from MyLifeline.org, and they went to a, a piano bar and like a like an Elvis impersonator and Temptations impersonators and Diana Ross show or whatever, and they got stuck in traffic behind all of these coach buses full of blue-haired women at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> Coming back yeah, we from, the, from the American Bandstand review. <laughs> right. Oh. That's right. It was Dick Clark's American Bandstand. We're going hopping. We're going hopping today when things are bopping. I don't have a queue anymore. But yeah. Because yeah. like, everybody else was waiting for him at the hotel bar, <laughs> and they were stuck in traffic behind all of these senior citizens. And oh. someone made the point that Branson, Missouri is going to become irrelevant in 15 years because the boomers in our generation don't care don't, about that. Yeah, I right. don't know any of those Exactly. Things. So, but well, I will give the, I will give Branson, Missouri credit. It's a it, they've really built up an incredible infrastructure, and it is an incredibly popular destination it for is. tourists. It is over eighty. <laughs> I do have one bad thing we to love, say about it, though. We love eighty-year-olds. Yeah, smoking. They li- Missouri. Oh, we can add Missouri oh. to the list of states that I hate because they still allow smoking in public bars and places. With guns, they allow smoking and guns in bars. 
Mm. Right, but you don't need a permit to have a gun. Oh, wait, no, you don't need a permit to smoke either. Right. Never mind. Yeah, right. So, All right. So what's going on? Moving on to breast cancer. Well, okay, you want to talk about my wonderful uh, mammography? Yeah, I mean, as long as it's not have to do with, like, pink washers and dryers. No, no, not pink washers and dryers. I know, Matthew, we're not going to talk about the Snuggies and all the other things that are pink this month. Although I will say this. The only thing I have to say is, is um, women get shafted in a lot of other ways on this earth. And so the fact that they get a lot of money for breast cancer <laughs> is something that I find hard to complain about. However, I do understand the uh, somewhat meaninglessness that goes into a lot of the marketing efforts uh, for You people with the awareness. ovaries, you know, suffrage was not enough for you, was it? Thank you, Matthew. Okay. The compassionate one. I oh, do what I can. The compassionate one. So, uh, and then, of course, as we know, especially in the young adult community where it's an incredibly aggressive uh, disease, which a lot of people still don't realize how it, uh, deadly it is for young adults, much more aggressive. The survival rates are much lower than they are for older women. It's a totally different disease. It presents all kinds of uh, issues unique, uh, that are unique from different cancers, that you have this daily physical reminder that you've been through this disease. And if you potentially lose an appendage that, uh, while some people may not view it as functional as an arm or a leg, you're used to living with for your life. Anyway, but I went for my uh, daily, uh, my, my daily, God help daily. me. God help me. Wait a minute. My year- you, you are a masochist. <laughs> My what yearly. What insurance do you have? <laughs> Seriously. Hustler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the foot plan. Yeah, right. Oh dear. The uh, yeah, my uh, masochistic uh, mammography, which I didn't realize. So this was particularly painful for me this year. Now I've gone every year for 15 years, and uh, I was really on the verge of tears. I have a pretty high threshold for pain because Matt, we do the show with Jack Buffard, so we know yes. we know what pain Touché. is. We know what pain is. Very tolerant person. Yeah, very tolerant. Um, so I'm pretty good on that front. But I'll tell you, my eyes were welling up with tears, and this I did not know. The technician who did my mammogram said that the machines no longer, and I don't know how long this has been in effect, but she made it seem that it was fairly recent, that these machines are not really monitored by humans anymore, that she, even though I was welling up with tears and it was so painful, she said, humans no longer stop the machines. We have to wait and to have the machine tell us when to stop flattening your breast. Well, domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. <laughs> so even, it didn't matter that I said to her, this can't be good for me. This cannot be good for the tissue of my breast, you, there's you absolutely flattening it. It can't go any flatter than that. I mean, you've got this. It has to be. She says, "I'm sorry, the machine has to keep going." And I just thought, and it, literally, this 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 has got to be bad. Forget about even the radiation, but the damage of that pressure. Um. Yeah. Sounds like that. sounds like Rosie from the Jetsons is doing mammography. I'm just glad they don't have a mammography for testicles. For your nuts. Yeah. <laughs> in a, in a word. Anyway, so that was. Uh, but you know, so far everybody. <clears throat> but is it worth it? Like. You know, having so never experienced it, like, the end, right? Is it is it worth the the period of pain in order to for I, the result? I certainly hope so. I mean, this is this, you know, I get an ultrasound as well, and I get an MRI to, to cover the bases, as a lot of women do. Uh, well, you're really only covering second base. Uh, nice, very nice. But I'm shot. No, that gets give, one him, of a, give him a rim shot. How is it you never? How do you not have that sound effect on speed dial? That's, more that's like better. <laughs> that's, that's better. So uh, this is this is what we're left with. But you know, one of the issues in the show tonight is we're going to talk about uh, radiation for medical treatments, and I figure I'll have gotten about 20 extra years, which is something that it's a lot not of us, a tumor. A lot of us know something about. 
So uh, all this good that it's supposed to be doing us is killing us also? Well, apparently everything kills you, and that's what the subject of tonight's uh, right. show is. No matter what you do, Hooray! the environment will kill you at some point. Turn off not, the show right now. If you're not <laughs> Go hit, to bed. If you're not hit by a bus beforehand, the environment will kill you. And if you move to the woods, you either contract anthrax or get mauled by a bear. Yes. Bears are awesome. Or carpenter ants eat through the beams of your house. Speaking of before we get to Beth, who's on the line, we're going to bring her on in a second. Um, I posted something on Facebook going back to our Branson conversation. I ate at a steakhouse at the Hilton in Branson where... They give you the Red option. Red meat will kill you. Everything kills you. We're, we're already past that conversation. Under the assumption that everything will kill you, you just have to make do that I went to the steakhouse at the Hilton and Branson, and they, have, they sell you knives there. They sell you various different types of knives that kill animals. So, so far it's cigarettes, guns, and now we're on to knives. Knives. Okay. They open up. They're at this table. Jack was there. They open up this giant little treasure chest and say, here's our knife collection. You can choose which one you'd like to have your steak with. So they handed me like a serrated buck knife that you would kill like Bigfoot with or something. And I took a picture of it on my wall, but I swear to you, like you could have it engraved. You can buy it. You can bring it home. God love Missouri. I picture one of the waitresses like standing against the wall, like that old Johnny Carson machine where you can like take knives yeah. and just throw them and try and to I'm get them And I'm spinning on the wooden right. plank circle. Yeah, exactly. Right. All right, well, let's get to our... Uh, Let's get to our first guest here. All right. Beth Arkey is a veteran journalist. Oh, I really yelled that into the mic. That yes, you did. <laughs> we love you, Beth! <laughs> She's a veteran journalist and a breast cancer survivor diagnosed at 39 with stage 2A breast cancer. She underwent a lumpectomy, four rounds of chemotherapy, chemotherapy, we say that a lot around here, and 33 doses of radiation and remains cancer-free 11 years later. Arky, who has been an editor at national publications, including Entertainment Weekly and TV Guide, which is where I met her, and contributed to People USA Weekend, the New York Daily News, and iVillage, now blogs for seventh generation, the cleaning and paper products company, very cool, about the many small steps she's taking to green her family. Arky is a strong supporter of chemical regulation reform as a key part of the battle on cancer. Please welcome, first time to the Super Cancer Show. Lisa is much more Hello. excited to hear from you than I am. I am, yeah. I am so excited, and I'm also so excited because I have to tell you, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. There you go. Uh-oh. Uh, no, no, I will make yeah. an exception because St. Louis has been um, uh, powered on the grid. <laughs> St. Louis has schools. And, and they have Budweiser, so you guys get a free pass. But St. Louis still has smoking in bars, so you can know, yeah, well, leave the, the show now. that often. Have you been to Branson, Beth? Well, actually, I went to uh, a summer camp very close to Branson before it was Branson. So, yes. Yeah, what was it called before Branson? It was called something else. It was called um, Branson, but with, like, you know, small letters. It was something else. All right, never mind. I'm I'm on med. (laughs) Pre-theaters and all of that, and then the the theatrical explosion. Yeah. Yeah, there was a great ride that you went on called Fire in the Hole, and it was just like you were on a, in a mine shaft. <laughs> we got a Missouri, Missouri down. That I'm sorry. Like fun. Yeah, it was. I'm they never going giving back out to knives. Yet. Speaking of they things that'll yeah. knives. Speaking of things that'll kill you, go yeah. on a ride like that. Yeah, screw the environment. Just go to Missouri. <laughs> so Beth, tell us. We read a little bit of your background in the intro there. Um, you and I know each other uh, dating back to when we were both editors of TV Guide. Yes. 
And uh, we, I was diagnosed prior to coming there. You were diagnosed while on the job there. Yes, I was. I was. Yes, I was uh, 39, and I had actually just that summer smashed my elbow and yes. had to have surgery. Fun um, summer for you. It was a great summer. Oh, yes. <laughs> I had the surgery, and actually I, uh, they, the lump was found, and I called the radiologist from Mount Sinai's uh, lobby when I had just finished physical therapy for my elbow That's <laughs> and found out, yes, it was malignant. <laughs> so it was a very bad month. Swell moment for you. Month. You were standing in the lobby of Mount Sinai making that call. So you had felt a lump and then gone in? and No, no. Okay. Actually, I uh, went in for my routine exam. And I had had a baseline mammogram at 35 because there's a, a long tradition of cancer, breast cancer in my family. My uh, maternal grandmother had leukemia that went, went through her entire body, including breast cancer. And then my paternal grandmother died of breast cancer at 48. So I knew I had to keep an eye on it. Yep. Uh, and so I was going in for the mammogram, and I was doing self-exams, but, you know, I'm down there on that table, and my arm is stretched over my hand, and he, you know, he kind of is feeling around, and then he keeps feeling around in this one spot. And then he says, oh, have you felt this? And I said, what? And he puts my finger on, you know, this very hard, small, pea-sized lump and says, oh, it's probably nothing, but you should go get it checked out. Yeah. So uh, I went to, luckily, a very uh, one-stop shopping imaging place where uh, I go, and they were able to do the mammogram and then quickly got me in for the sonogram, and at which point, you know, my heart is starting to race. And they actually did the core needle biopsy right there, and, uh, and then I called in a few days later because I hadn't heard, and they'd gotten the results back. So... That's how I found out. And, uh, in yeah. that lobby with a smashed arm to boot. Yes, yes. And it yes. always happens in the best moments. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I can't think of a good moment, yeah, but exactly. that was a particularly there's, there's, bad one. Yeah. And then you and I kind of, I mean, we were friends before that, but kind of bonded because our managing editor kind of set us up with our <laughs> with our shared experience and we yeah. got to chatting about things. And, and, uh, and the rest is history. And the rest is history, yes. Um, I had kind of been quiet about it because at work because uh, after the smashed elbow where people were coming in my office three times a day saying, how are you, how are you, how are you, I felt like if people, if I broadcast the breast cancer and people came in three times a day saying, how are you, how are you, how are you, I was going to be a basket case. So our managing editor knew. In fact, he was the first person I told at work I I completely drenched his shirt. I was just, you know, <laughs> sobbing, and he was holding me, and, you know, you know, Jack. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he was amazing. And it was strange because I was surprised. I think some people realized, but people are just kind of walking around with their day-to-day lives. And my hair was radically changing, you know, yeah. uh, getting a cut and then having a wig, and then all of a sudden I've got short hair again. And I was shocked to find out later that some people just didn't pick up on it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then, yeah, one day Jack comes into my office and says, 
you know, somebody else in his office has had breast cancer. And I said, who? We and he said, and he said, guess. Lisa, I went around the entire office, like, guessing, you know, starting with, you know, name. the older women. And, you <laughs> Did know. you guess any men first? <laughs> hey, it can happen. Maybe I should have. There were probably some good candidates for that. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and um, yeah, on, and then finally, you know, because Lisa's a little bit younger than me. Not <laughs> much. No, yeah, oh, yeah, and then and, and then you realize that as you approach infinity, it all comes together, right? <laughs> we are we are close to infinity. Uh, and um, and and when he told me, I was just completely shocked. Um, anybody who's seen Lisa's picture, I mean, she's just like this picture of, you know, health and vitality. You know, vitality is that a word? No. And uh, I think it well. Yes, and yes. I teased her about you know how yeah. her cute little outfits and you know, ah. she's Moving right along. Mile bike ride, <laughs> and so it really just it shocked me. Yes, and then she she came in and um, shut the door, and I don't know how long did we talk? A long time. <laughs> a very a long, long time. time. We talked a long time, but uh, yeah, it was it was great. To, I mean, obviously, it's not the ideal way that you want to become more intimate with somebody, but it was it was great for me too to have somebody in the office to to talk to um, and share experiences with. But tell us now how you got the gig blogging. We want to. Learn about how you've gotten sort of fired up about environmental issues and got the gig uh, blogging for Seventh Generation, which is a great company. Yeah, it really is. It was a very strange thing, um, but it sort of pulls this all together too—the the breast cancer world and the environmental world that I'm pretty interested, pretty passionate about now. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Sherry Nicole, she was actually a friend of mine who went with me when I purchased my wig. And the same friend, you know, 10 years later, gave my name to my current editor at Seventh Generation, who is another mutual friend. And this was something that I had never done anything like this before. And said, Right, because we'd covered entertainment, you and I right, both. Right, right. Yeah. I'd, I'd never blogged. I'd never written in my own voice. And it was going to st- – and, and our friend Robin just said, sure, you know, we'll, we'll try her. And it was really like on a tryout basis, and it was going to be this lighthearted approach to just your average person trying to become greener and help her family become greener. And so the first one I did was sort of supposed to be this tongue-in-cheek piece about my mother being ahead of her time in terms of being a Depression-era person, woman who you know, said, don't throw away the paper, you know, when you unwrapped your presents, you know, yeah. or don't, don't, you know, don't, don't even rip the paper. Recycle thing, yep. reuse it, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, wash the aluminum foil, we're going to reuse that. And wash out the, paper, the plastic bags, because we're going to reuse those. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I had a huge wake-up call, because I write this, and I think, oh, wow, my mom, great. And uh, all of these readers, they're really on top of things and, you know, the people are following, you know, the blogs and found out that washing plastic bags is a really bad idea because it releases toxins. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and just, I I knew from my oncologist, yes, don't microwave and plastic, that kind of thing. But it turned out, and I felt terrible. I felt like, I'm a complete idiot. I don't know anything. What am I doing this for? And my editor was, Robin was just like, no, this is great because yeah. 
you're on this road to discovery, as are many other people. Exactly. And another blogger there who knows a lot more than I do uh, had written about plastics before, and they updated it and explained, you know, everybody knows about BPA and all of that, but uh, it was just the first of many eye-openers I've had in writing this blog. So tell, tell um, us quickly, tell us quickly, Beth, because um, unfortunately one of the things we don't have is a ton of time on our show, but what I just want to touch on, can you quickly just tell us some other uh, topics that have been eye-openers to you, as, either as they relate to breast cancer or just health in general that you've written about? Oh, sure. Um, well, sunscreen. A lot yeah. of sunscreens uh, actually have uh, carcinogens in them. Carcinogens um, in them, see? I'm sorry? You, you yeah. lose and you lose, doesn't matter. <laughs> right. You think that you're, you know, you think you're protecting yourself and you're actually using, applying something carcinogenic uh, to your body. Um, and uh, many of the um, fragrances, you know, perfumes and just fragrances that are added, you know, are chemicals and they're bad for you. Um, and let's see, what else is there out there? You know, it's just everywhere you turn, you feel like, Oh, well, um, flame retardants, <laughs> you, yeah. know, I, you know, that's a huge one. And we've encased just about everything around us in flame retardants. So, yeah. you know, you're thinking, oh, I'm protecting my baby. And you're, <laughs> you know, you're putting your baby in this adorable little outfit, you know, full of toxic chemicals. Yeah, catch on fire instead. It's better. <laughs> and I've had to bathe well, with my with Children my are attracted to that. bright lights, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's maybe and maybe Jack can um, be keen enough as to type this into the chat room. Your the exact URL for your blog, so people can uh, follow you and 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 read all your good stuff out there that you post on Seventh Generation. Okay, well, it's really you just have to. I don't have a URL, unfortunately. I wish I did. You go to you know www.seventhgeneration.com. Awesome.net. Yeah, we just made it. <laughs> Bethisawesome.net. Oh, that's great. Well, thank and I just you. completely I missed that. what you were saying because my rude co-host and co-hostess were interrupting. So can you say that just again, saying please? saying something nice about her. Of course. www.seventhgeneration.com. And then um, you go to the blogs, find the blogs. And uh, unfortunately, they really don't have it together over there. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no, it's great. And there are many, many great bloggers um, who, who know a lot more science than I do, and I'm really approaching it from just your average person's perspective. And Which I think is great, because we'll have two experts that are coming up on the show, but you are, that, that's the reason why your blog is so accessible and good folks out there, because you're like any one of us who's stumbling to make their way in the world, trying to do the right thing, figuring things out. You've been through cancer yourself as a young adult, and you want to do the right thing, and you're just out there getting information and spreading it to uh, to other folks, you know, like all of us. So I think well, it's, I it's, so. I think it's a really you. good way to, to learn about stuff and, and very uh, accessible, again, to uh, everyone in, and the young adult crowd in particular. Well, thank you. And I would say, you know, I have become more politicized as I'm learning. And when the President's pamphlet, uh, Cancer Panel came out and really... Very said clearly. the president pulled his pants down. <laughs> and came out. <laughs> well, this, today would be the day. Today would be they the day the for that. Yeah. <laughs> he, he went, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, the president's cancer panel. And yeah. it was the first time, it was a landmark um, policy report because it really strongly linked um, 
chemicals to cancer and also indicted uh, our failed chemical policies, government policies. Um, I will rattle off a couple of things since I believe it's 1976. Of the 80,000 toxic chemicals, I'll just say chemicals, out there, only 200 of them have been tested. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and babies are very numbers. Tested. Very scary numbers, very yeah. scary numbers, and there just there has to be reform. There really does, and there's an act in front of Congress, and it might not be strong enough, but we need to get moving on it. Well, we're gonna we're gonna uh, pin our next couple guests on on uh, particularly Deborah Davis, and who's who's uh, into all this kind of stuff, and uh, has done a tremendous amount of research. So we'll get to the bottom of this, Beth Arkey. Well, good. I'm glad. But, but uh, we're happy to have your voice to uh, help us get all of this out there. And uh, you'll come back on the show in the future and hopefully come into New York and see us. Well, she that came to the, uh, the office warming party, so I got to meet her in person. You did. That's yes. right. And I had to come yeah. out early. Well, you, you, didn't you run into each other in the hallway or something? No, that was Jonathan Shine. Okay, okay. <laughs> and me. Somebody else. Jack doesn't count. I could see how you yeah. confused the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the tall, bald <clears throat> gentleman. Well, Sorry, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to. That wasn't it. It's just the tall, handsome, tall, handsome, handsome with no extraordinarily hair. fantastic yeah. bald gentleman. Yeah. yeah, I meant to say all of that. <laughs> yes, Beth, not you the take lovely, care of yourself. Not the lovely blonde Beth Arkey. Thank you so uh, much, Beth. Well, all thank right, Beth you. Arkey, everybody. Seven generations. Bye. All right. So I believe that uh, we have. Uh, uh, we're waiting for Deborah to call in. Or Harvard to call in. Do we so, have some booth news? We have some booth news. We do. So let's just get to the news here real quick, and we'll make it happen. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. All righty, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we listen to Jack Lepard stammer through a series of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of stuff, like free young adult events, conferences, happy hours, retreats, scholarships, support groups, bar crawls, concerts, and more. If you have something coming up that you'd like to hear us uh, spread the word about during this particular segment, please send an email to Jack McFord. His email is jack at i2y.com or our fax is 877-794-6902. That's jack at i2y.com. All you, bro. Thank you, Matthew. All right, folks, we're going to start off with events.i2y.com. Events.i2y.com is your one-stop shop for all stupid cancer events happening nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we don't want you missing out on it, especially if I'm not going to be there. Tomorrow, Washington, D.C., Kenny Kane, Aaron Eloise, and myself are heading down to Washington, D.C. for the Buffalo Billiards Stupid Cancer Happy Hour. So, if you would like to join us there, head on over to events.i2y.com, and we'll see you in D.C. tomorrow night. As we mentioned earlier, Team Stupid Cancer is the nation's first running team exclusively supporting young adults. Slots are still open, and we are down to our last three. So, if you or anyone you know is interested in running on our behalf, visit team.stupidcancer.com. If you don't feel like running the race with us, but you do want to support the I'm Feeling for this Cancer Foundation by making a place for your favorite runner, head on over to team.supercancer.com, and we would be more than happy to take your money and run 13.1 miles in your honor. The buzz is building around the fourth annual International OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults being held this April here in New York City. Stay tuned for more information as we have them. We will be confirming the date over the next few weeks and all the travel info and stuff like that. So stay tuned regarding the OMG conference. And finally, 
seeing that I lack both the time and the intelligence to share with you all the great stuff we have going on in the young adult cancer world, I've created the Boof News blog. Everyone needs to check out boofnews.i2y.com. That's B-O-O-F.i2y.com for the official list of all stupid cancer news resources, including surveys, exercise programs, writing workshops, peer services, and fertility resources. And an update regarding the Leukemia Lymphoma Society's weekly webcast that is on the uh, Booth News blog. On Wednesday, October 20th, FD alum Owen, Sparky Creepy K2 will be speaking. So all you first dissenters out there and all you young adults out there, check that out. And all the information is on the Booth News blog, and the direct link is lls.org slash yaconnect. And that, my friends, is your Stupid Cancer News. We have our first guest on the line, and we're going to bring him in a second, but I really just want to, we have to talk about this stupid sun chips thing that went on this it's week. Worth, it's still worth talking about. It's worth talking about just for a minute or two. It's part environmental. It totally ties into what we're going to talk oh, about yeah. tonight. I know they're listening to the show. But for those of you out there, folks, sun chips, everyone knows sun chips, so those little crackers and Dorito-type things you buy in the store. <clears throat> a couple of months ago, the makers of the sun chips decided that they're going to go green and replace all the um, petroleum-based packaging with uh, plant-based packaging. So they came out with Sun Chips in these new bags made of plants. So the bags literally like they melt in the rain. It's fantastic. They're like those peanuts you eat. It's, it's a really great solution. Apparently consumers don't like the fact that plant-based packaging of Sun Chips crackle a little too much. They crinkle and they crackle. They're a little noisy. So responding to consumer demand and ignoring the needs of the earth, the Sun Chips douchebags went back to their plastic-based, non-biodegradable bags for all the sun chips except one model, one model, one, one flavor. Look, you know what? Don't get near me in the movies with those sun chips. Well, how, how many? <laughs> no, but the argument is dump them I in a know. bag. Dump them it's in a ridiculous. bowl. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Crackle, crackle. I'm and, trying to make wait, a joke. But how many people who shouldn't crackle be snacking bags. in the middle of the night got busted by these bags? Right, exactly. <laughs> but uh, just, oh, God, so annoying. Yeah. Anyway, you can't win. Everything kills you. Frito-Lay. Yeah. So on that note, it's time to introduce our... Uh, well, it's another sponsor. Huh? Frito-Lay? Yeah. Well, Frito-Lay is actually under Pepsi. It is under Pepsi. So their, their chips that you swallow, with, that you chase with soda, yeah. are, are both going to kill you. So who cares? We don't right. need Pepsi. Be a sponsor. Kill everybody. There you go. All right. Well, let's bring out our, our, our two guests tonight. is a world-renowned child development expert and America's most read pediatrician, creator of the best-selling DVD book, Happiest Baby on the Block and Happiest Toddler on the Block, of which I am a phenomenal fan of. Uh, his work has revolutionized our understanding of the needs of young children. His work has taught in hundreds of hospitals, schools, and military bases across the U.S. He's been featured on shows like Dr. Phil, Larry King, The View, Good Morning America, and uh, he's been uh, part of this amazing breast cancer DVD with his wife. Nina Montecar links her passion for the environment and children's and women's causes where their skill is an accomplished philanthropist. Over the past two decades, she has orchestrated highly successful fundraisers for numerous charitable organizations, including the Fibrosis Foundation, Healthy Child World, Children's Hospital in Los Angeles, PrepKitsy.org, and the March of Dime. She's a member of the, uh, sorry, she's a board member of PrepKitsy.org, the March of Dime. CHLA's Huckleberry Fund and the Healthy Child, Healthy World Foundation here to talk to us about breast cancer and the environment. Please welcome to the show Dr. Harvey Karp and Nina Monte Karp. 
Hello. How are you? Are they still dancing? Are they still there? Are they there? How's that? You there? We yes. are. It's a party mood. We just popped the corks. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's an honor and a pleasure. And that was a lot for Matthew to get through that intro. Yeah, I'm on meds right now. I know that pretty quickly. <laughs> he did a great job. So first of all, Matthew, did we lose you here? No, I'm here. Okay, great. We lost me in one headset. So we're thrilled to have you both on the show. Uh, first of all, let's, let's get right to this uh, DVD which, uh, Nina, you were the director and executive producer, and this is, if I'm uh, saying this correctly, I'm looking at your website here, this was an undertaking that you did with a close friend of yours, is that right? Yes, and my sister-in-law. And your sister-in-law, yeah. I have nine girlfriends with breast cancer. Nine girlfriends with breast cancer. Yes. Okay. And uh, so so tell us, first of all, uh, Harvey coming from the baby doc end end of things, and Nina, what was the, was it originally, was it her story? Tell us how this all got going. Well, first of all, Harvey has this amazing best-selling DVDs, The Happiest Baby on the Block, The Happiest Father right. on the Block. And I have this amazing group of women that, you know, we hike and do everything together. And so they said to me, you're the filmmaker, let's, you know, raise awareness for breast cancer because, as you know, today everybody heard something about breast cancer, perhaps because one in eight women in, in America has breast cancer. And there's such information overload or sickness, if you can say. So, um, you know, my friends who have breast cancer, nine of them, said to me that it was very hard. Wait, nine of your books. friends have breast cancer? Yeah, eight girlfriends and a sister-in-law. Oh, my God. And they're okay. all very young. And so my sister-in-law was 34 when she was diagnosed. Oh, my, one of my best friend, friends was 38. So, uh, so despite all these books and articles uh, from different points of view, from doctors, from survivors, there was absolutely need for something that really puts the whole breast cancer experience together. And, uh, and you know, proper medical treatment is just one aspect of the breast cancer journey, but they needed a light on other aspects like stress and anxiety and uh, immunity boosting, you know, benefits of exercise and nutrition and integrative medicine and meditation and spiritual practice. So we worked for two and a half years to make this really an inspirational guide for women with breast cancer and also with their families. And I also want to say that um, every three minutes a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer and every, in, in America, and every 69 seconds a woman dies in America, of breast, in, I'm sorry, in the world of uh, breast cancer. So it really, I mean, we all know somebody with breast cancer. So this is how we started. And then our motivation was really to create this, our goal was really to educate and inspire and raise awareness. And more importantly, it was really important for us, for all women to have this important information, even the women who live in rural America and in little towns. And Dr. Karp, tell us also, I mean, you're, you're obviously, you're, you're known as the baby doc, but uh, you're, you're a mama, you've got to be a mama doc, too, to be a baby doc. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're right. I mean, I've had a lot of patients through the years where the mothers have been diagnosed with breast cancer and, and a number who have died of breast cancer. So it's an issue that I've been very personally involved in. And um, as Nina was saying, though, we have this, um, we've been very successful at being able to put um, information together in the DVD format. And that's what people respond to. You want to see it. You want to hear the story, hear the intimate stories of women who have been through it and have come out the other side, not just learn about the medical part of it, but 
But once you get through that part, the chemo and the radiation, how do you heal? How do you how do you heal your body, mind, and spirit? What about exercise and meditation and spirituality? And so what we experience with our friends is that it isn't enough just to get diagnosed and get some medication from your doctor. This is a life-changing phenomenon. And thank God it's it's no longer a death sentence being diagnosed with cancer. I mean, now, especially with breast cancer, oftentimes it's, it's seen really as a chronic disease. It's something we can handle. And so we need to be able to look at the whole arc through your life about how you respond to this, how do you make your life healthier, and, and hopefully how do we do this before we get cancer so that we can, we can be healthy and prevent this from happening. And speaking of which, you know, a lot of uh, areas you talk about clusters where people are known to get different cancers, like here in New York and Long Island, uh, there's certainly been lots of studies done about women who live on Long Island who've gotten breast cancer and what are the environmental causes there from pesticides to anything else that that can be harmful pollutants that may cause uh, breast cancer. Do you guys address any of that or do you know even in your own personal experience among your nine friends, anybody who's got their antenna up in terms of what was around their environment? Absolutely. So interesting that you're posing this question because my sister-in-law and three of my girlfriends are from Orange County, and it's Long Island and Orange County that, as I said, it's one in eight women in America, but in Orange County and Long Island, it's really one in seven, maybe even one in six. That clearly tells us that environment is a huge factor. And also, when I started making this DVD, I didn't know that only 10% of women diagnosed with breast cancer actually had family history, 90%. Close to 90% of women never had a member in the family that had breast cancer. So this can happen to anybody. And, you know, I know you guys were talking a little bit about plastics before we came on, but one of the things that really, really is irritating to me is that every time you go into a store, you get one of these little paper receipts, these slippery little paper receipts, and most of those are coated in BPA, in bisphenol A, which is this this estrogen-like chemical that lines um, canned food and is in baby bottles. And, and research has shown that, that this has an estrogen effect, which may even encourage the growth of breast cancer. And so um, it's just absolutely infuriating that, that all of us would be exposed to this on a day-to-day basis when it's not necessary. They can make these receipts, and, and in fact, they have them today now, where you can get receipts that are made without that slippery plastic on it. If I could interject, first of all, Dr. Carpet, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. <clears throat> I'm glad that I, my wife and I went to go see you when our twins were giving us Ajita, because I would not, not have otherwise known about this project you're working on with your wife. Um, for, they say hi. They're five and a half months old, and they're doing fantastic. Yeah. And you, you got us through our fourth trimester, and, and I'm your Google biggest Google right back at them. I am. I'm your biggest Kool-Aid drinking fan on the planet. I'll do, I'll, I go to the ends of the earth for you, I swear to God. But Thanks, with, with respect to the damn if you're doing, damn if you don't, of this world, where we live in an advanced society. Civilization is where it is today because it's where it is today. And the consequence of progress is chemicals and these diseases and, 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 and these biological effects of whatnot. Have we reached the point where the things just aren't preventable anymore, or we just have to live with it and deal with it as we can, or is there a value that you even believe that it's possible to change agribusiness? Oh, my God, of course it's possible to change it. Look at the organic um, uh, marketplace. I mean, we've been working on organics for 20 years, Nina and I, and 20 years ago, believe me, all you could find was, you know, some, you know, some dried-up shriveled green beans 
And green was the only color. <laughs> yeah. Right, just so, the color. I mean, it is now the most vibrant, growing part of the uh, retail um, uh, food industry. Um, I've got, uh, uh, um, so we can make a difference. We can vote with our dollars. And it's a common sense thing. I mean, who want, you know, raise your hand if you want to feed your children foods that have been sprayed with pesticides. You know, I mean, it's just common sense. So I'm a big believer and an optimist that we can change the system. And the system's ready to change. Look at, you know, recycling of, of trash. I mean, 20 years ago, that didn't exist. And now we've got hybrid cars and electric cars coming along the way. So don't give up hope, Matt. Even though the Mayans would disagree. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I didn't throw that in there. I watched the movie on the plane, so. Uh, there's, you've got a lot of uh, voices and faces in this video. Obvi- obviously, famous Melissa Etheridge, Olivia Newton-John, Cheryl Crow, Deepak Chopra, Susan Love, Dr. Susan Love, who's been on the show with us as well. Um, and there's actually a face that I recognize, a young woman, Kristen Martinez, who I just wanted to mention. She's uh, a snippet of her where she's teary-eyed. Uh, she's somebody that. A lot of us here knew personally she uh, passed away at age 36 um, in June, and she was very involved with another organization that we do a lot of work with, the Young Survival Coalition. Yes, Um, she was a a hero, yeah. You know, what was really important in creating a motivation for for creating this first visual guide, first of all, I have to say that it is so hard. When a woman receives diagnosis, you have breast cancer. You know, there's fear, there's anxiety. You know, they're facing their possible mortality. And for them to read a sometimes 300-page book, sometimes it's just not simply, simply an option. So I think it's really important, it was really important for us to explain everything in these two set discs. So the first, I really wanted to include celebrity breast cancer survivors, like you mentioned, Cheryl Crow, Melissa Etrich, you know, Olivia and John, because when you get bre- breast cancer diagnosis, you're in a special sister club. And when you see this DVD and in, in the whole family can sit down and see the whole process from, from bi- you know, biopsy to the recovery, and you see how good Cheryl Crow looks and she's rocking now, and Olivia and John, 18 years later, there is hope and inspiration, which is a really important ingredient in healing. And so we also didn't even just consult the best oncologists and, and re- radiation oncologists in the world and amazing doctors like Dr. Susan Love. But we also talked to Dr. Deepak Chopra about spirituality, about, we talked to Dr. Ornish about nutrition and Marion Williamson, what happens when you're facing your mortality and, and with your own family. So we wanted, we wanted to represent all the aspects and, and to really show the families when they see this two-hour first disc, they really have an idea what the mother or even father, don't forget them, 2,000 men a year get breast cancer as well. Yeah. What are they going, going through? And then the second disc, for additional support and more in-depth information, then we can for the first time show people what does it mean? What is chemo? How does it work? And show it really like visually. And the radiation and surgery and all that stuff that is really important. And again, a lot of women are educated and men are educated, but a lot of people don't understand unless they see it. Yeah, yeah. and you know, one of the things that we really want to accomplish with this is that, you, you know, you, go, you get the diagnosis, you go to the doctor, you speak to them for 15 minutes or even a half hour, and then you leave, and then it's hard to even remember what you talked about. I mean, you're so hit in the head by a two-by-four with this type of a diagnosis. And so what we want to accomplish with the DVD was to have the best doctors in the country 
and the best healers in the country talking to women and women talking to women. So in the privacy of your own home, no matter where you live, you could watch this two-hour DVD, watch it with your family, watch it over again, really absorb the information and understand what your... Um, you know, what the question should be and wh how you can help guide yourself back to this path of healing. Um, and this has never been done before with any disease. Um, this two-disc um, DVD, we're so proud of it because it's a landmark. There's nothing like this for heart disease or for prostate cancer or things like that. And um, besides the fact that it's a, a medical thing, what, what we're learning now is that the power of the brain to heal, it's not a woo-woo issue. I mean, it really turns out that the way you think affects your immune system, your inflammatory um, mechanisms to allow you to better be able to fight disease like cancer. So meditation, thinking positively, not that we're all can be positive, you know, fighting your depression, really getting your, your mental health in balance is a gigantic part of, of, of the healing process. Absolutely. And, and also, also, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I just wanted to say and that Harvey was an amazing volunteer. He spent three months editing this whole project. He was our main editor. And we want to really mention both of us are volunteers, uh, that, that proceeds directly benefit um, great organizations. One is breastcancer.org, the most visited website in the world. Mm -hmm. And the second is UCLA Johnson Comprehensive Cancer Center with wonderful Dr. Dennis Slayman, who is in our video, who actually invented Herceptin that is saving hundreds of thousands of women's lives right. every day. Right. right, and that's our real commitment to women like Kristen, who helped us in this process. Our goal is, you know, it, it's just a tragedy when a young woman like that um, dies from a disease like breast cancer, we believe it's curable. We believe that we can prevent it, and it's really a matter of getting that information out, and, and that's what we're so committed to. And, Dr. Karp, one last question before we wrap. As somebody who deals with families, what recommendations would you make for mothers and fathers in terms of guidelines for your not only just daughters, daughters and sons, physically, environmentally, and also uh, Socially, controversy these days about girls and boys in middle school and high schools wearing Save Our Boobies or I Love My Boobies wristbands, you know, principals saying, uh, expelling these kids and saying they shouldn't wear them, but kids saying, like hey. Like mass expulsions. Mass expulsions, but kids saying, hey, we understand what this is for. We, want to, we don't think it's too young to be aware of this issue. What's your feeling about all of that, about what we should be telling our kids? Well, and we want our kids to be participatory. We want them to be getting their nose off of the television and know there's a world out there and to participate. So I really encourage parents to encourage their kids to get involved in, in any way possible, raising funds, raising awareness. Um, part of that also is to to pay attention to your own personal health. So eating well, talking about organic, teaching your kids about avoiding you know, exposure to pesticides or chemicals that, that you can avoid. And um, and then, of course, specifically in terms of breast cancer and ovarian cancer, which are closely related, you want to know if you've got a family history, a mother, a sister, a grandmother who who had breast cancer or ovarian cancer, that you speak to your doctor about getting a genetic test, even for um, for young girls, you know, to find out if there are predisposing factors that may eventually become important to 
um, to take preventative action. I mean, there are women who even have to get preventative mastectomy because of the very high risk of breast cancer. And especially for kids, because America is a leader in obesity, is maintaining a healthy yes, weight. Yes, absolutely. And, and getting exercise. exercise. Yeah. I mean, well, so there's a lot that we can do and a lot that, that parents can do with their kids to help them stay on the right side of the track. Well, we're going to bring out our, your, our mutual colleague, Deborah Davis, now, because she brings another component of the environmental um, element to the table, which are things we do not have control over. And uh, I'm going to intro her right now. Dr. Deborah Davis. Well, she's got a bio about a mile long, and every word of it is uh, critically necessary to only partially encapsulate her fantasticness. But seeing as we only have now about 20, 30 seconds to intro her, I will do my best. Dr. Deborah Davis was the director of the world's first center for environmental oncology at the University of Pittsburgh Cancer Institute and professor of epidemiology at the University of Pittsburgh's Graduate School of Public Health. Her recent book, The Secret History of the War on Cancer, was a topic by Newsweek and is being used for pedagogy at major schools and public health nationwide. She's now founder of the Environmental Health Trust, which educates individuals, health professionals, and communities about controllable environmental health risks and policy changes needed to reduce those risks. She is also author of the new book, Disconnect. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Dr. Deborah Davis. Deborah. Hi. Hi, Deborah. Hello, Hardy. Nice to be with you all. I, I just want to say the subtitle of my book is The Truth About Cell Phone Radiation, That's What right. Industry Has Done to Hide It, and What You Can Do to Protect Your Family. Yeah, I want to let you know, Deborah, you are the first four-time guest on this show. Oh, well, it's an honor, and I really appreciate what you're all doing. I want to expand on something that Harvey just said. One in ten women who get breast cancer gets the disease because they've inherited it from their mother or their father. So that means that nine out of ten cases of breast cancer occur because of something that happens to you after you're born. Some of the things that we, you heard talked about today, like pesticides and solvents, sunlight. Sunshine. Well, now I'm concerned as well about cell phones. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to jump right into that because that is, as you mentioned, that is the topic of your, of your new book, Disconnect. Tell us exactly because there's lots of people talking about this. We wonder about it all the time. Using this cell phone, even having it in a pocket on you if you're not even actively using it, Lay it all out there for us regarding Well, uh, I'm really pleased that my colleagues at Healthy Child, Healthy World have picked up on this. You can find a link from their site to ours, environmentalhealthtrust.org. And on our site, you can find fine print warnings that occur with all new smartphones. Most people never see them. What they say is if you keep a phone in your pocket, you can exceed the FCC exposure guidelines. In fact, most recently, smartphones now come with fine print warnings that say do not keep the phone near the lower abdomen of teenagers or on the abdomen of a pregnant woman. So the phone companies are giving you warnings, and they know the reason they're doing that is because cell phone radiation does have profound biological effects, and there will be damages from them if we don't change our habits. And the other thing that you just, Harvey was just talking about is absolutely true. The brain has powerful effects on our body, and damage, even damage to the brain from low cell phone radiation can be repaired with good nutrition, with exercise, probably with yoga and meditation as well. That's why I wrote my book, because in all the studies ever done of cell phones and cancer, the risk only shows up after 10 years of very heavy use of cell phones. And most of us have not been using a cell phone heavily for 10 years in this country. So if I can interrupt real quick here, Deborah. Um, I like to talk about my, my euphemism. My euphemism. I can't. I'm on meds tonight, by the way. My euphemism is: What good is juicing kale if you breathe LA smog all day? 
So are, are we are we looking to simply carbon neutral our our homeostasis by eating well will counteract the cell phones and veganism will counteract the 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 the, the plastics and the the Apple store receipts mm-hmm. we just lost mm-hmm. another sponsor and uh, <laughs> you know wh- where are we at in our civilization to, to where these are clearly clinical issues that we're facing as a consequence of progress. <clears throat> Well, you know, I'm not sure I'm smart enough to answer. That's a very tough question. Lie to me. Make it sound good, whatever you say. All right. Well, what, what I would say is this. We need to rethink the assumptions we've made about cell phones. There's a disconnect between what science tells us about the fact that cell phone radiation can cause cancer and the way we use these devices as though they're harmless. There's a disconnect between the fine print warnings that can be found with all new cell phones today and the way you see them used in advertisements. Look at the ad for the iPad. You see the iPad right over the gonads of young men and women. It's a great ad. Yeah, it's a great ad, but there's no sign at all that in the warnings with the iPad, it says, do not keep the wireless device directly on the body. I mean, there's something really strange going on here. Now, to answer your question a bit, it is true that life is a mixture, and we can't avoid things like some of the plastics and pesticides. We want to have them reduced as much as possible. That's where dietary factors and some of the things that your other speakers were talking about today are absolutely critical. We can't live in a bubble. But even for damage from cell phone radiation, experimental studies have shown that if you take cell cultures and damage them with cell phone radiation, but you give them certain nutritional things afterwards, you can repair the damage. You know very well the DNA gets damaged all the time, and if we're lucky, it gets repaired. And that, that's in my fact, t-shirt. yeah, well, that's in fact the basis for a lot of modern treatments for cancer today. They're immunotherapies that strengthen the immune system, that work at making us stronger with dealing with the modern world. That's what we have to figure out in terms of the treatment end, but in terms of the prevention end. The reason I wrote this book, Disconnect, is because so many young people and so many cancer patients have no idea that cell phone radiation weakens the blood-brain barrier. They have no idea that samples of sperm taken from healthy men and exposed to to cell phone radiation will show damage to the exposed sperm when compared to unexposed sperm. In fact, you'll make the sperm die faster and they'll be sicker when exposed to cell phone radiation. Now you're cutting into Harvey's market. (laughs) <laughs> are you sure the sperm just doesn't want to talk on the phone? I mean, there are a lot of guys who are just not as good at that. Well, you know, the reason we need so many of them is they don't know how to ask for direction. Yes. <laughs> Tell me to stop. Well, talk um, about talk, oh, I'm sorry, Harvey, go ahead. No, I was just going to say um, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. You know, we saw uh, way back when um, in the 40s and 30s that everybody got x-rays. Even when you went to get your shoes, your feet measured for shoes, they used x-rays to measure your feet. And then we discovered much later about how that was a, a cause of cancer and how crazy that was to be exposed. So I think this is one of those things where an ounce of prevention is a good idea. And until we have final definitive proof, I think, Deborah, exactly what you're saying makes sense. Let us be cautious. Yeah, and I really appreciate what you're doing uh, to promote the idea of the precautionary principle across the board, Harvey, because we've got to be smarter. Right now, there are simple things you can do. Get that phone off your body, out of your pocket, and use an earpiece, and use a speakerphone. Don't sleep with it under your pillow. Do not let babies play with iPhones. You can download white noise apps 
I'm not making this up, to a phone, and people are putting it in the crib so the baby will be calmed down with the white noise app from a cell phone. That's I did a not bad do that, idea. for the record. Good. I did not do that. Good enough, yeah. Pocket <laughs> parenting. Pocket parenting, I'm very concerned about. Look, the whole issue of electronics and toys is something the American Academy of Pediatrics is very concerned about. My concern is let's not let children hold two-way microwave radios next to their brains. And people don't know that, and they're giving their phones to their kids. Did you see the slate piece about iMama, about a 12-month-old baby that called the, the iPhone Mama? I, I, you know, I didn't see that, Deborah, but this is exactly what we, kids these days... That's all they know. I mean, this is an entire generation of uh, kids who are being raised solely uh, digitally through right. cell phones and laptops. I mean, and there are some values of this, but we've got to stop and think. We're, our children are growing up in a sea of radio frequency radiation that did not exist five years ago. And there are effects on dopamine receptors. Harvey, I've seen this amazing stuff. There is an addictive property. I think my husband's one of the addicts to some of these phones and devices. You know people who freak out if they can't have access to their phone. Matthew? You know, um, in a very slight segue, but when we're talking about the digital revolution, um, I just want to make sure that people would know, to if they want more information about the breast cancer DVD, that they can find that on our website, which is breastcancerdvd.org. And breast cancer, uh, do DVDs emit microwave radiation on an atomic level, Deborah? Well, the DVD player, not unless it's hooked into a uh, wireless uh, receiver. So this only applies to wireless things, not wireless. Well, I'm concerned about wireless. In fact, fiber optic is the way to go. And I just was talking to Wes Boyd of Move On um, about something that most people have no idea, which is that net neutrality has been a commitment for years of the Internet providers, the idea being that everyone should have access to the Internet as a means of democratizing information. Correct. And net neutrality is now endangered by the wireless revolution because Google just agreed now that they want to charge people for access to wireless instead of making it free. And when that happens, it will drastically create a shortage of access and we will see a tremendous increase in the gap that we already have in the digital divide that separates the kids who don't have access to the Internet from those who do. Right, that divide will get only bigger. But but wouldn't that, I mean, I'll be sardonic here, but wouldn't that mean that people will have less access to Wi-Fi and then get less cancer? Right. Not if you're, no, not if you're committed to fiber optics as a way to get access to the Internet. Fiber optics, which exists in many schools now, can give you Internet access and not bombard our kindergartners with wireless exposure. So in my household, we actually, we try to, our router and all our, our computer stuff is, 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 is in an office below the bedroom. We try to shut all that down at night. Should you, you recommend things like that that people I should do? I absolutely do. I certainly do. Well, before you yeah, start, and yeah. while you're at it, you know, um, eat dinner with your kids and <laughs> turn off their phones <laughs> and their computers so uh, you can spend some family yeah, be time a, together. Be a parent. Be a good yeah. parent. And what yeah. you wait, wait a second. Are you promoting family conversations at the Actually, dinner table? I'm promoting, I'll tell you something. I'm promoting a cell phone Sabbath. The idea that you Ooh, actually like turn your phone com. off for for a real rest, and that phones be banned at the dinner table, and that you don't have kids sitting there with their thumbs in their laps, because if they're if they're doing a lot of texting un, under the table, they've got that phone right over their gonads. Yeah, but but if you have to text your sister to pass the potatoes, you know that's important. I've heard that that's happened actually. And, and when you 
Right. Yes, I'm sorry. When you talk about using an earpiece, your uh, earpiece, you're obviously not talking about Bluetooth, which must be the worst of them all. No, Bluetooth is not the worst of them all. Bluetooth okay. does reduce radiation, but if you use a Bluetooth and you have the phone on your hip or on your uh, on your body, you're defeating the purpose. Get the phone off your body, out of your pocket, and guess what else? You can actually turn them off. Yeah, fantastic. They do have an off button. And you know, yeah, I just would like to add that what Deborah is talking about, those are the risk factors that one can avoid. It is in people's hands. And so there is internal environment and external environment. And internal environment is, you know, things that you inherit, like, you know, your health and genetics and hormones and stuff like that. The external environment that Deborah is talking about is something that we have influence of, over, like the air we breathe and the, the, that we demand organic food and, and actually music stress and people we see, all that is, is, is our choice. And those it's, are the that's risks beautifully that we can said, I, and I fully agree with you. Let me add one other thing that I wanted to make sure your listeners know. I've had calls now from four cases of physicians reporting the following situation. A young woman under the age of 40 with breast cancer who kept her cell phone in her bra for six to eight years and then developed a tumor at exactly the site where she would keep the phone. Wow. wow. And this is a very common habit now because it's considered sexy. Stop it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, And so so ironically, I guess the laptop obviously should not be kept in your lap. Keep it on the desk when you can. If you read what the laptop says, you don't want the laptop directly on your desk. Just put a book or a pillow there. That's that's enough of separation. On your lap, you mean not directly on your lap, a a book or a pillow there. Yeah. Right, right. And most teenagers keep their... uh, computer laptop on their stomachs and they're in bed right yes that yeah. is true there's actually a new con- there's a new contact dermatitis that has formed from from people keeping laptops too close to their bodies yeah 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 a burn a burn yeah, actually an actual you know, bad um, idea dr um, go ahead well, yeah one other thing in terms of prevention um what i'm asked by my patients all the time i've been asked is about organic foods and what if we can't always find organic foods or what if it's too expensive and um, and shouldn 't the price be coming down so people could afford it and Of course, our goal is to really make organic food uh, universally available and like I said earlier, anybody would would rather you know if you ask if you poll a hundred people and you say, "Would you rather feed your child food that 's been sprayed with neurotoxic and carcinogenic pesticides or food that 's never been sprayed with those chemicals of course you would you know, at the same price, you would prefer to be able to give them the food that didn't have the chemical sprays on it. And what I like to remind my patients is that the reason that we have interstate highways today that we all get to benefit from is because our parents pointed up the money to pay for those. Um, and our grandparents did that. That's why we've got the post offices and we've got the airports. Most of that you didn't pay for. It was paid for long before you came along. And that's what we need to do for building a, a world with affordable organic food. We need to pay a little bit extra to encourage the farmers to, to get off that merry-go-round of using chemicals so they're not at financial risk, so that they can make money and then they can further develop their organic farms. But it requires all of us to go into the stores and buy something organic or two or three or four things to really build the marketplace. And well, you know, I want to say amen to that, but I also want to tell you that Cornell University has done studies that indicate that if we have a major commitment to organic agriculture, that we will substantially reduce the cost and it 
that there is a phony and artificially created difference in the cost of synthetic pesticide-generated agriculture and organic agriculture. Part of it is a problem of scale. So you're absolutely right. We need to encourage the market here, but that's where I think people are voting with their pocketbooks and demanding safer foods, and we're seeing a revolution in that, in that many schools now are offering, and I think that Michelle Obama should get some credit for this, schools are generally offering a broader array of vegetables and moving toward promoting gardening and other activities so that children will understand where food comes from and how it can be grown in a safer way. Well, we look at documentaries like King Corn, Blue Gold, Food, Inc., you know, they're all talking about like the crisis uh, that this entire planet is facing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a natural cynic just because I was born and raised in New York and I'm Jewish, so I have to own that. But at the end of the day, like, is there really hope for the future when I feel like we're just so confined by corporatocracy? Well, I'm, I'm also Jewish, and I'm an eternal optimist because, after all, <laughs> and, and living in Washington, you have to be nowadays. Um, but let me just say that I, I do think that there is hope, that you guys are giving me hope, and I think all of us together are making a big impact on this issue. I mean, you couldn't have written this book, um, Harvey. Um, you couldn't have done this DVD uh, 20 years ago. The world is very different now. People with cancer understand that they can live long and healthy lives if they get access to the kind of information that, you, that you're providing to them. And to be shamelessly commercial, my book is number one on Amazon in science, and I need your help to make it uh, higher up in, in overall numbers. We are Bravo, Bravo, Deborah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, Bravo for all the hard work you've been Kindle doing right for away. years. Well, thank you. Please do. <laughs> you know, and there is, it, it, you don't have to just go to the farm around the corner to buy something that's organic. You can go to, I go to my local stop and shop, an enormous supermarket. They have a whole line of organics called Nature's Promise, which are beautifully packaged, and they actually are the same price or cheaper than a lot of other goods in the store. And that's not even a Whole right. Foods. Trader Joe's has stuff. I mean, there are mass marketplaces that sell organics. I'm here to say they're very tasty. The packaging is wonderful. But what's interesting is I noticed the advertising is they don't market them as organics. They market them first and foremost as being inexpensive because they still think that people aren't going to buy into the whole, like, eh, this is supposed to be good for me. It's going to taste like crap kind of thing. And they, they yeah. taste great. And they are actually offered, there's a broad spectrum of food that is offered in, in major uh, grocery stores that's organic. That's great. So that's I just great. read today that 85% of kids' drinks contain high levels of lead. And this is something that Beth Arkey actually blogged in June on 7th Generation. Uh, so like, I, I just go back to this whole, how can we, can we really stop this? And, yes, I, li- I like to look back and say, look, we did civil rights. We did the, the, the parks, we did the, the highways, we did, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the war on cancer, we did all these things. Is there really, are we sitting on a revolution at this point of consumer feedback and consumer blowback and consumer action that's going to stop this from going on? Because everything circles around the dollar. This is all about the dollar. You know, I, I'm, 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 I will admit on the air that I'm a, I'm a Trekkie. I don't dress up like Worf, but I'm a Trekkie. But they live in a future where money's not an issue. There's no currency. Matt, you know, one thing is uh, I really would take exception to that 80% of kids' drinks having lead. Uh, I, I'd need to see that data because I think that that's, that that's, uh, that's uh, a very inaccurate. Um, it's on my wall right now. I'll email you the link. Okay, I'd like, I'd like to, to see I, that. And I would but, uh, like did, to see it. The, the fact yeah. is... I, the fact is we have made tremendous progress in this country. We have gotten rid of some of the, the worst pesticides. Look at we lead. Need to continue. Look at lead. 
Yes, and look at the lead levels in the, in the population. They have fallen dramatically, even though there may still be in lipstick and in other things, there is lead that we need to get rid of in children's toys and paints and whatnot. We've made a tremendous progress. We have to continue making progress, and we have to be vigilant, and we have to recognize in the case of cell phones that there are new hazards emerging here that we have to address. And I think that with programs like yours and with people like those on the, on the show right now this evening, we're going to make great progress. And I'm afraid that I have to go because I'm at the Berkeley JCC in about 10 minutes giving a talk. Well, okay. We're actually, thank we you, Deborah, for your hard work. We really want to thank you for being on the show, Deborah. We, we will have you back as returning champion number five. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully next year. It's an honor. It really is. And please look at Can my Can I just website. say something before Deborah leaves? It's thanks to people like Deborah and, and Harvey, who are champions and hard work of Healthy Child, Healthy World, that Harvey was a co-founder, that people are exposed to this information. And it's really all about consumers and parents and wanting answers and information. So, Deborah, thank you so much for all that hard work. Thank you. It's an honor to work And we have, the show is listened to by hundreds of thousands of people, so the word is definitely getting out there. I play the role of cynicist, but I really believe that there is hope for the future, especially since I have twin five-month-olds, and I want them to grow up in a world that does not have 85% of kids' drinks full of lead. Um, yeah, no, I don't think you have to worry about that. And you know what? Money will drive this as well. I mean, the whole revolution in terms of green jobs and sustainable um, uh, forms of energy is going to be driven by by the economic engine. You know, I mean, it's it, people are going to make fortunes making better, you know, windmills and the photoelectric cells and things like that. And I hope that your children and our children don't have to worry about breast cancer because we'll find a cure. Well, and our doctor, so our, the chairman of our board of directors, works at the Children's Hospital of Orange County in uh, Irvine, and he treated the 10-year-old girl that had breast cancer this year. Yeah. Yes. And the doctor that is, we have one of the doctors who was an oncologist, Dr. Helena Chung from UCLA, who was her oncologist. And that really just tells you, especially with children, Harvey can talk more about it, with these um, um, pesticides um, in our food that then act like um, um, est estrogens and, and hormones. And it's really, really important to know for parents that they really need to um, influence their kids to maintain a healthy way, to eat healthy, more vegetables. Right. And also, even at a young age, to know their breasts and to know how breasts feel before the period, how the breasts feel after period. Not to scare them, but they need to know their breasts and report something unusual. Because remember, the early detection is the key. Well, there you go. Yeah, and then looking at these numbers, I'm just looking at the study that came out from the Breast Cancer Fund that, you know, that talks about how between 1973 and 1998, the breast cancer incidence rates uh, increased by more than 40% in this country. So, so looking at those years as a framework for, 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 uh, for technology, growth from 70 to 98. And that is also hormone replacement therapy. And, and hormones, yeah. yeah. And, and the fact that, you know, what uh, Beth Arkey, our, our seventh-generation blogger, was saying earlier about these synthetic chemicals of, you know, you hear these numbers, 85,000 synthetic chemicals are registered for use in the U.S., and more than 90% have never been tested for their effects on human health. We don't even know what they are, but we do know, the studies do show that children who have been fed with organic food only have much less chemicals in their system. Well, that would have been my kids. They're only eating Earth's best, and that's it. There that is go. great. There you go. And you don't have car profession. Maybe we could paid a sponsor. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you're cynic, you. You're really a softy cynic. I'm a softy cynic, yes. You know me very well already. <laughs> But we're, we're out of time. I, I can't thank you both enough for, for taking the time to be on the show. This is incredibly important. And like I said, like 
I have five month olds. Like I'm, in, I'm invested now more than I ever were before. Not that getting cancer wouldn't have made me care about this to begin with, but thank you so much for being on the show. The website is breastcancerdvd.org. And, and the name is The Path of Wellness and Healing. The Path of Wellness and Healing. Nina and Harvey Carp, thank you so much. Thank you so Good much. Good luck for with being everything. The show. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thanks thank a lot. Take care. care. You okay. Thank you. Man, we'll All right. Put me in. You got it. We could do about 10 shows on this topic. We could do 10 shows on this topic. You know, we tend to veer. We, we started out with breast cancer and the link to the environment, and we did talk a lot about that. But you can't help but go off into other illnesses, other cancers. Well, yeah, I mean, right. it's, it's, it's pink month, and breast cancer does get the most attention. But at the end of the day, these are factors and lifestyle behaviors and, and, and sort of corporate conglomerate issues that affect everyone on any disease state, right. regardless of cancer. This is, this is Asperger's, this is autism, this is lupus, this is diabetes, this is heart disease, this is malaria, polio, this is everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, this uh, is bufaritis. This is bufaritis. A lot of us have Which that. Which is not contagious for anybody who's Oof. concerned. But the, you know, side Deborah, effect, the symptoms and the side effects of that are killing me. Yeah. Two weeks ago, Deborah was on our friend uh, Abe and Sylvia's Dr. Radio Oncology show Curious talking Adelaide, about yes. the, uh, you know, the cell phones and everything, and they got inundated with phone calls, and it was just people freaking out, like, do I hold my phone here? Do I need to, like... Well, she's got a point. It's a huge That's thing. That's scary stuff. The, the fine print is really there. Like, seriously, yeah. read. If you own an iPad and you throw out the, uh, the box, read the fine print. It tells you don't put it in your lap. And my question is... When the cell phone company said, you know, don't, what did they say? Uh, she mentioned, like, don't, uh, don't, uh, don't, wear, don't put the phone. Don't have in, it on your person. On, on your person. You and you're going bag. On. If that's what they are telling people about how to use your phone, right. what are they not telling people? Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think Jack actually just made a, a decent point. And yeah. my, my head hurts. That, <laughs> might, that might be not time to, a tumor. Might be time to wrap <laughs> but it up. But I was like, holy yeah. crap, like if this is yeah. what they're telling us, what, what, are, what, what are phones doing to us that they're not telling us? Exactly. And people should really shut down their wireless at night before you go to sleep. You're shut, not gonna, shut your Wi-Fi shut, network down? Shut down at night before you go to sleep. That's what Deborah said. Turn off your Wi-Fi network Turn in your house. Turn off your Wi-Fi network in your house before you go to sleep. Wow. Don't have that beaming through your house. And, wow. and wake up in the morning and turn it back on. You're not going to use it overnight anyway. Then again, I am awake all night. Yeah. <laughs> You're a vampire. Yes, I am. All right. Well, on that note, it is uh, time for our uh, to wrap the show and for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, Internet. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that is tonight's show, our 153rd broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. I'd like to thank our guests, Beth Arkey, Deborah Davis, Harvey and Nina Karp, and our live in-city audience, Aaron Eloise, Kenny Kane, and Sarah Gaines. Next week's show is a cage match, folks. Don't start a charity. In our Survivor Spotlight, Harry Bass, young adult survivor of salivary gland cancer, president and founder of Carnegie Sports Group, Ken Berger, president and CEO of CharityNavigator.org, and Dan Pallotta, founder of Pallotta Teamworks and the author of the book Uncharitable. A cage match, folks. Cage match. If you missed any of our past shows, subscribe to the iTunes podcast and download them all. 
on your time at iTunes.itoy.com or check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, folks, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week live from the chemo deck. Jack Bufard, Lisa Bernhardt, Amanda Freeman, Captain Simi and I wish you all a great week. Go to bed, Dory. Get, Get that busy, busy living. living. It's an open smile on a friendly show.